0: Monday to you. It is the 16th of October. Nice to come through a great weekend, all things considered football-wise, other than for our friends at uh, our school that we are associated with here at WJR, MSU. Had another tough weekend, but the Lions won again. Most wins in a start of a season in years and years. Rieger, what's the the statistic on that? The Lions uh, have... Outdone themselves for the first time in many, many, many years. I don't know how many. Yeah, years it's it been, is. A uh, been a while. It's a while. Good
1: start for the Lions. Five and one. They are tied right now for the best record in the National
0: Football League with I think four, four other teams. That's fabulous. And this is with us. Uh, we had a few guys that were out. Yes, we did. Not able to play, and uh, these guys uh, made up for it and uh, had a great uh, victory. It was a and remote, then, really, uh, really good victory. Yeah. And then Jim Harbaugh and University of Michigan making Oof. us proud again. That was uh, they scored oh, after
1: sleeping through the first quarter. That they, they they proceeded to score on eight straight offensive <laughs> possessions. Wow! It was uh yeah that was a uh, that was crazy. There's but, a uh, couple
0: of times they started out slow yeah. in this season, and soon they're not going to be able to afford to do that, which I'm sure the coach has made very clear to the kids. Well, it is Michigan Michigan State week. It's starting out today, so. It's a big one. It is a night game, as I understand it. I was going to go, but now I'm not so certain I will. Are you allowed in East Lansing? Let me tell you something. Every president since President McPherson have not only allowed me, they've welcomed me into East Lansing and in the president's suite of the Michigan-Michigan State game. Oh, okay. And I do have maize and blue on. I will put... A little green, like in a pocket square or something, to show my support for them. But they know I'm a Michigan grad, and that I'm pulling for Michigan. And um, it's going to be a big game. It always is. But being a night game, I think, did they say 730? 730, yeah. Michigan, twenty.
1: I think I saw 23 and a 23.5-point favorite. So
0: Well, that doesn't mean anything in Correct. this game. You're right. It doesn't. And so, I, I mean, it's going to be a good game no matter what. It's just a question for me, frankly, of, of driving back at uh, 11 o'clock or whatever. That could be, a, could be a late night, yeah. So I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that. But I appreciate the invitation again to be in the president's suite. A An offer, by the way, that never came to me from my own alma mater, the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, uh, ever. Even when we carried Michigan football. But that's another story. They cannot see beyond the fact that they think I am a a bad conservative talk show host when they they don't listen, so they don't really know um, everything. So be that as it may, I appreciate Michigan State for that. If you can't be with us noon to two, I know it's a a stretch. I've been with more people who say, well, we really miss you in the mornings, but we can't listen noon to two. All right, well, go to thegreatvoice.com and listen to the podcast. We appreciate that. That would, that would be very, very helpful so that I will feel better about this change that I made, that I am feeling great because my life is about a thousand times better in terms of getting sleep and such, but I do miss uh, the folks and guys doing a great job in the morning. Speaking of this morning at 10 o'clock, uh, Executive Chairman of Ford, Bill Ford, spoke publicly for the first time on the UAW strike, and I have to tell you, I, I sent him a note right away saying this is exactly what was necessary. He did a great job, and did you happen to see it, Mr. Rieger? I know you're busy, but I read about it uh, when they when they came out on online. It wasn't very long. I wish no. we could play it. Maybe we'll get Mr. Ford on in the next couple of days. Uh, maybe not, but what it, it's got to be online. You you certainly can read it or see it, and he just made excellent sense. I mean, they, after all, hire more and employ more UAW workers than anybody else. So I hope that Mr. Fain is listening, and I sure hope that we can get this thing wrapped up way sooner rather than way later. Our friend David Sowerby, who's a guest on the show on a regular basis, has been a guest on our show for years, managing director, Portfolio Manager of Ancora, will be uh, once again starring on Bloomberg TV at 3.45 this afternoon. Thanks, uh, David, for the heads up so I could uh, tell our listeners about that as well. We had uh, had so many things that have been going on. We had uh, Friday our first Michigan world-class business broadcast, which is going to become at least a monthly regular feature because we have such great businesses in Michigan, and we want to We want to blow their horn for them. SMC uh, Advertising was our first uh, destination where we broadcast from. These are great, great people. Uh, Truly a Michigan world-class business that's been uh, calling home, Michigan home, since 1929. Uh, They're based in Troy, which is where we broadcast from. SMC Advertising, Detroit's oldest independent ad agency an insight-driven agency doing work in communications, planning, strategy, design, traditional advertising, digital advertising, retail, experiential, social, and all more than even that. You can get more information about SMZ Advertising at easily, smc.com. But being there with the family, third generation, Jamie Michelson, president and CEO, Pam Renouche, who is also a Michelson, a co-chairman and group account director, and uh, Debbie Michelson, co-chairman and a group account uh, director, uh, the family. And they all get along. They all do a great job. They do a great job, and it's a great business, and they are the very first Michigan world-class business that we featured. Uh, special guests, uh, you've met uh, Brian Reef before, CEO of Epic Fitness and owner, operator, developer of over 50 Planet Fitness gyms in the Midwest, And Broadway and Detroit Ambassador Theater Group, Jamie Budget and uh, Scott Myers were all there with us, too. Made it a lot of fun. Friday night, we had the 10th anniversary of the Eastern Market Harvest Gala, featuring the award-winning executive chef, Sarah Welch, from Marrow Butcher Shop and Restaurant. And they asked us to come back, uh, Kim and I to come back. Um, Kim was not able to make it. But I was, and they asked us to come back ten years later because apparently somehow or another we were there in the very beginning. I'm glad we were. Got some kind of award or something. I don't even know. But it was a very special night, Friday night, because it also was an opportunity for a special tribute to special people. A tribute to Vivian and Dan Carmody with a moment of silence remembering Vivian Carmody. And uh, thanks to Tracy Rivard, Chief Development Officer in Eastern Market Partnership, and Katie, the CEO, and the whole gang there. The Jonas uh, were there. We sat with uh, Frank and Judy, and uh, and it occurs to me again that just in the last uh, couple of weeks, we've lost some very powerful matriarchs, women who lead, as Anne would put it. We lost Vivian Carmody from Eastern Market, of course married to Dan who was there and still hurting obviously Uh, but some very strong very successful women starting with Vivian Carmody then our friend and really frequent to guest on our various Paul W Smith shows Dr Donna Rockwell who died while we were on the road she has helped so many people in so many ways that she We'll be missed, but never forgotten. And we send our condolences to Bernie Smilovitz. I, I found while I was traveling, I, did, I don't think I had his direct number to send him a text. We lost Connie Holzer. It was Connie and her husband, Tom, that gave us a very successful Tom Holzer Ford, which she just sold not too long ago, I think, to uh, Mr. Sarah. But Connie Holzer was a peach, one of a kind, Superstar helping so many people. And then finally, Florine Mark, which we announced Friday morning as right as the word came through. And Weight Watchers and so many other good things. She just loved helping people, reminding us to eat our fruits and vegetables. And whenever I got a card from Florine, it always ended with love, 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 Florine. Again, Florine will be missed, but never forgotten. Lots going on here, lots to talk about on this Monday afternoon edition of Paul W. Smith in focus on WJR at 1214. Well, it's been a mess, and it continues to be a mess, and I'll tell you what, I expected the retaliation, I don't know if they even call it that, but the response, I guess, by Israel on the Hamas uh, incredible terrorist activity, that was not an act of war. It was an act of terrorism. They committed several war crimes along the way, if anyone's paying attention. But beyond that, I expected a response by now, so it must be very close. Jared Halpern, Fox News correspondent, WJR contributor, uh, is talking about some of the things that are going on, including our president weighing a visit to Israel. Jared, a welcome back to Focus with Paul W. Smith. Thanks for having me back.
2: Yeah, I don't know if that that trip, we'll see. The the White House has been very, I don't want to say coy. I mean, they may still be trying to figure out logistics, but they they say no travel uh, has been announced. Um, Obviously, it would be a fairly significant security uh, lift to get the president to Israel. Uh, He was invited by Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister. Um, Certainly other senior administration officials have been in Israel, including Uh, The Secretary of State, who's there right now, it is his second time in Israel since the attacks on October 7th. He spent uh, the latter part of the week as well as the weekend uh, in a lot of different uh, countries in that region, meeting with Arab partners, Arab leaders, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Qatar, um, to work through this uh, scenario as well, diplomatically from a humanitarian standpoint and from a security standpoint. So clearly, this has been a top focus for the White House. President Biden also canceled. Uh, a trip today, he was supposed to go to Colorado, just a day trip as part of his Bidenomics agenda. Clearly, all of that's on the back burner. The White House said that that trip is postponed until further notice. And, and the president will be spending his day today in the uh, White House for uh, national security meetings. So it really everything else has been cast to the side here, um, given the, the crisis and the um, unfolding developments here in, in Israel and Gaza.
0: You know, I, I, as I think of this, and since I'm not a, a newscaster in this role, I'm an opinion caster, my opinion, uh, my two cents worth, uh, I don't think it makes any sense at all for President Biden to now make his way to Israel.
2: Well, the the thought behind it would certainly be solidarity, right? And and that's what the, the president, the administration has been trying uh, to do since the attacks, right? That they are in lockstep uh with the israelis you have seen for instance uh the united states basically say israel is going to respond they have every right to respond they need to eliminate hamas they have not criticized any of the the military actions taken by israel now certainly they have raised worries about the humanitarian uh, issues developing in gaza a million uh, palestinians trying to evacuate trying to move Uh, south. Uh, They are working, the administration is with the Egyptians to see if they can open up some humanitarian corridors along the Gaza-Egyptian border. Um, And they are doing all of that in consultation with the Israelis. But, you know, the the likelihood that there is going to be a significant civilian casualty count here in Gaza is something that even Antony Blinken has suggested Is going to be because of the actions taken by Hamas, that there are going to be innocent people on both sides of the border here killed as a direct result of what Hamas did in these um, in these attacks. And that's been the messaging. So if the president were to go and we don't know if he will um, again, I think it would be simply as a, a another showing of solidarity that he's trying to put forward here as it relates to Israel.
0: Look, as I said from the beginning, um, with the terrorist activity, when you open a uh, door to a house and you visibly, you put eyes on children and still shoot them and kill them and uh, behead infants and set them on fire, this isn't war. These are war crimes. And so I suggest, again, there will be several deaths coming up of civilians and of hostages, and all of that falls in the hands of Hamas. They are the ones responsible for raining hell on the Palestinians and everyone else. They are the ones responsible for every death that happens from 10 days ago on. And there's no way to argue that. You can can be a strong supporter of the Palestinians or the strong supporter of the Israelis or any number of other things, but that's the reality of what happens When you do what Hamas has done, because they know Israel, nor would any other country, turn the other cheek after something like that happens. can't let that happen. Meanwhile, I'm seeing in the news today, the FBI is now warning America about Hamas-type copycat actions like they've done in Israel. And then I hear over the weekend with all of the illegal uh, immigrants coming into America, that they've started to pay a little closer attention and finding out they're from Iran and from other places that hate us. So what in the world do you think they're coming here for? Not a better life, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's something that that has
2: long been kind of the concern of migrants crossing and, and who's able to kind of sneak in there. Um, some of these are people who uh, are applying for asylum, some are not. They are sort of put into a separate category where they are um, subject to additional kind of screenings. Um, important to remember that there are people that flee these types of regimes in Iran uh, and elsewhere because they, they do want to escape, right? And so the United States has always been kind of mindful of that, but you're right. There's going to be a lot of additional scrutiny uh, and vetting done for, for those Uh, migrants that come across the southern border, or at least uh, intercepted at the southern border. As for the FBI warning, the FBI is always worried about copycat attacks. When you see major terror attacks um, overseas, it is something that they are always uh, concerned about, particularly given the ability of sort of these lone wolves who, you know, may not be uh, directly involved with a a group bigger scheme or a bigger organization, right? They kind of, we talk about the self radicalization and very hard to kind of track that because maybe there's not an online footprint. That being said, the FBI has also said up to this point, they've not seen what they would call sort of a, an imminent credible threat to the United States homeland, but we have seen beefed up police presence in major transit hubs around the country uh, at Jewish Uh, organizations, synagogues around the country, and I imagine that will be the case uh, for for a great many more days
0: and weeks. What came to my mind, Jared Halpern, as you do your excellent report and the FBI saying they've had no credible threats, you could have asked the Israeli defense folks the day before, even the day of, and they had no credible threats either. And now look what happened. That's the concern. That's always the worry. Jared, always a pleasure. Thanks for your help. Thank you. Jared Halpern, Fox News correspondent and WJR contributor here in Focus. We are so lucky to have some of the best guests you can find anywhere always, and that would include our next guest, Daniel Howes. You know him from the Detroit News, senior editor, business columnist. He's a senior editor of business, and he is a columnist extraordinaire. And, of course, he is following this uh, UAW job action strike against our, uh, our big three, if you will. And uh, this is perfect timing because uh, earlier this morning, I happened to uh, watch the executive chairman of Ford Motor Company, Bill Ford, speaking publicly for the first time on the UAW strike. And uh, Daniel, good afternoon. Welcome, always. I thought Bill Ford was spot on with the way he presented what he presented. What did you think?
3: Yeah, I did, too. I think we have to understand the moment here. I mean, Bill Ford's been involved in every UAW negotiation uh, that Ford has had since 1982. Um, I couldn't tell you the last time, if ever, uh, as chairman, he's spoken out uh, amid uh, uh, contract talks. I think it's an indication of uh, real concern on his part and the part of the company that we may be heading in a direction that is uh, for the longer-term health of the industry not so uh, propitious um and i i kind of share some of that concern um you know we are in a period where we i, I think we could have tentative agreements with a couple of these companies at least um fairly quickly uh but uh, we're not getting to that point at least it doesn't feel like that you hear people express some optimism that they think maybe Stellantis could be close or ford could be close uh, but it's really hard to know. And now I think with the, you, we could turn around any any minute and have another strike of a major uh, SUV plant for GM or um right around the corner.
0: Yeah, I'm afraid that's true. He he announced, uh, Mr. Fain announced that they're they're not going to follow any other old rules. Now they're going to be kind of uh, a little more flexible, freelancing their response. I guess the idea is to keep the car companies on their toes, but they're, they're knocking them back on their heels because in the end, the people who will really pay the price on all of this are the workers, the UAW workers, who are eventually going to figure that out while they try to live on $500 a week when they generally were making about $2,000 a week. And they've got to look around a little bit, and not too far but across the river, to say, well, gee whiz, how come the Canadians could work things out so quickly? Very different
3: approach. I think the Canadian approach was very traditional. Um, you know, I, I, I kinda of think of these a little bit in military terms and I in the sense that I think the the, the big three are accustomed to kind of this World War One trench warfare. You know, they've got entrenched lines and and, you know, that's kind of the way this works. And I think what Sean Payne and the new leadership have brought has been more of a guerrilla kind of them guessing, you don't know where we're going to come from. And I think it's been very difficult for them to, to adapt to that. And then of course, like he did on Friday, he can, he can change, change the rules of engagement, uh, which, which is what he did. But I think you're right. I mean, I think longer term, I think bill Ford, I think people need to go back and, and read what he said or listen to it. Um, I think there's some implicit things in there. Uh, He talked about some of their manuf their, their rivals, i.e. GM and and Stellanis building product in Mexico um, I think there is a concern that depending on how this contract plays out that some of these companies in order to maintain margins or uh, that they're going to have to do some things that they don't necessarily want to do politically um, I'm not saying that that's going to happen overnight uh, but it, it clearly could happen because there is going to be pressure from the from the street and investors uh, to be able to offset the increased cost of this contract and even if we don't know all the details, I think what we do know is that this contract is going to be a lot more expensive, uh, certainly than the current one.
0: I have to tell you, I uh, and it's in the front page of our Detroit News. I shouldn't say ours. I'm only there Mondays when I write a column. You're there every day, but in the Detroit News, Brianna right. Noble writing the story that had to come. I mean, it is a it is an excellent opportunity to use what's happening to dump facilities that the company doesn't feel they need anymore. And I think Tavares, when he came <laughs> when he came and saw the world headquarters uh, there in Auburn Hills, of what, whatever it was called when he came in there, Chrysler, whatever it was. FCA. Um, FCA. F, oh, that's FCA. right, FCA. When he came in there and saw that, he had to go, are you kidding me? Because that facility is so monstrous. And I'm sure he thought, man... We can sell this and make some money or at least get out of the expense. And I fear that that very well could happen. And now it's on the front page. Stellanus may cash in on its headquarters, And then we'll have, will we have another Kmart world headquarters sitting empty for years like we did? Well, great, great question. But I think you're putting your finger
3: on a a bigger issue. And that is that Stellanus is a truly global company. It went from. You know, Chrysler used to be the little brother in Detroit, and now uh, Stellantis is 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 the big brother. It's bigger than GM and Ford in terms of uh, vehicles sold around the world, in terms of revenue, and in terms of profitability. And it's also foreign. It's 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 technically based in in the, the Netherlands, but operationally in in Paris and and to some extent in Turin. Um, And I think the leadership is a very different kind of leadership. I don't think they have the commitment to Detroit as a headquarters town uh, that previous managements have, and certainly that Bill Ford and Mary Barra and Mark Royce and and Jim Farley have. Uh, So, I mean, where that could go down the road, who knows? But I, I don't think that's necessarily reflective of the UAW talks, although it could be. I mean, it could be that in order to make some of the numbers work, um, they may need to take some additional action and people need to remember that this is all about a big pot of money uh, and, and it's about how you move the money around and how you allocate the money but at the end of the day it's just like a big pot of money and and how much more are we going to spend than we're currently spending how much can we are we, we- willing to do that? how much are investors going to put up with it? Um, you know I fear we're going to get to a point dub where we're going to be talking about, Two thousand eight and two thousand nine when people were laughing at Detroit, you remember that? Yep. people in Washington laughed laughing at Detroit. How could they be so stupid? Um, that's what concerns me that may ultimately get there.
0: which is still reflective in how hard it is for our for at least for Ford and General Motors to really boost their stock price. People haven't forgotten. I'm afraid right. anyway. Just, uh, you know, they, I don't blame Tavares and I, I don't blame Stellanis If maybe taking advantage of their advantages. And right now they could say, hey, this is so tough. We have to free up some money. So this is what we have to do. The guy is a brilliant guy. And uh, and the, uh, they're all, Stuart, all these guys are pretty brilliant, doing a great job. Like Daniel Howe's doing a great job. Daniel, always a pleasure, my friend. You bet. Senior editor. Business, he's a columnist, all around good guy, I've been around following all of this for a long time for the Detroit News. As we continue on WJR at 1244. Death. Whenever we talk about mental health issues, we need to push that new number, the 988. Uh, that number is not as uh, memorable for a lot of people as 911, but 988 for Suicide and Crisis Lifeline for free and confidential support. Uh, that's an important note. 988, Uh, whenever you find someone in your family or yourself struggling with these kinds of uh, mental health issues which are on the rise in our country. And many patients say they're unable to find the mental health treatment they need, even though they have insurance to cover the care. There is a federal law that requires health insurance companies to provide benefits that are equal between mental health and other health issues. But WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne says... The rule is widely ignored, leaving many struggling. Good afternoon, Marie.
4: Hi, Paul, and thanks for mentioning that 988 number. We've talked so many times about this on your show. Mental health issues, especially for children, have skyrocketed in the last few years. Inflation and a shortage of mental health Care providers, including psychiatrists, is making the problem worse. The Biden administration is now pushing insurance companies and state regulators to improve coverage. In 2008, the Federal Mental Health Parity and addition, uh, Addiction Equity Act was passed. It did not require insurance plans to offer mental health coverage. But if they did, the benefits had to be equal coverage as those for other health problems. Things like copays, out of pocket limits, and prior authorizations cannot be tighter or harder to get for other than other medical care. So patients and act- activists are now saying that the law is not being followed because basically it has no teeth. Insurance companies know they can get away with giving uh, people grief about having these kinds of mental health treatments. A study by the Department of Health and Human Services even confirmed this. The Biden administration has now proposed a rule that would require insurance companies to show how the coverage rules for mental health claims and other health care claims work in their companies and how, um, they, how many they've approved and denied in each area. The new rule would close a loophole that has allowed more than 200 state and local government health insurance plans to opt out of the law. Now, some states have stepped up surveillance on their own. Over the last decades, 10 states have fined insurance company a total of nearly $31 million hmm. for violating these parity rules. So some states, Paul, are getting it right. And the whole thing about parity is realizing that mental health and physical health are... What? They're the same.
0: And and I would only see this because of the information you've dug up and provided to me, Marie Osborne, that, that some insurers actually reimburse mental health care providers at a lower rate mm-hmm. than other providers. And then psychiatrists are less likely to participate in those insurance plans.
4: Right. And then uh, in some cases, too, when a patient, uh, you know, asks for prior authorization for some kind of mental health service, A lot of times companies will just deny them saying, well, that's not, we're just denying the service. It's not needed. And they just, now they need to prove under some of these new rules, they now start to have to prove why that is. And that's an important distinction.
0: Imagine, I mean, it's bad enough when we suffer from depression or anxiety,
4: but imagine
0: Mm -hmm. for a parent. With a young child and watching them suffer severe anxiety, the, the desperation you would feel, the, you would feel powerless, and, uh, and this is a real big problem. And it's a, apparently a major problem is, well, the late, great Dr. Donna Rockwell used to talk with us about a lot. These kids are exposed to things we never dreamed of mm-hmm. as kids, and a lot of that has to do with social media.
4: Absolutely. And uh so in other words there's this uh, other influence in your child's life that you have zero control over. And, um, it's that, that's why it just makes this so critical that parents and caregivers have at their fingertips the ability to get mental health care for their children without all these obstacles like copays, authorizations. Of course, you have to have copays and things of that nature, but not using them as roadblocks to the care.
0: Next half hour, you're coming back. You're making a a beautiful dual appearance. What are we going to be talking about?
4: Yeah, (laughs) I charge extra for that, but it's okay. Oh, now we're in big trouble. Yeah, no. And no, we're going to be talking about uh, how much it costs to work in person.
0: Oh, yeah. It is more expensive to have to go into the office, no question about it. Mm -hmm. And some people got really used to not spending that kind of money, and they're starting to say, you know what? It adds up on a daily basis.
4: Sure does.
0: All right we'll look forward to that. Marie Osborne, WJR Senior News Analyst. As we start the week off together after what was a mostly a great weekend in many ways. And we want it to be a great week as we present our relentless positive radio here. Paul W. Smith, In Focus WJR. Good Monday afternoon to you as you continue to make each and every day count. Each day is a gift uh, in through the beginning of the week. And I hope you had a nice weekend. I know it was tough for our Michigan State fans, uh, but it was a great weekend for the Lions and uh, Michigan and maybe uh, whatever other school you are out there supporting. I hope it was. Uh, And uh, otherwise, we're hitting the ground running for this week. If you can't be here from uh, noon to 2, fully understand, but I do hope you'll check in with us at thegreatvoice.com, thegreatvoice.com, so you can hear the podcast whenever you want. It's real easy. And it's helpful to us, too. We like to stay in touch with you. Don't like losing touch with you at all. So there's a lot going on. We had a busy end of the week last week. I went through all of that uh, earlier. Uh, No need to rehash it other than to say it was a a, a great experience all the way around uh, as we had this fabulous new uh, series, which is going to be Michigan World Class Businesses, and we kicked it off with SMZ Advertising, great family business, Uh, been around, uh, well, the Detroit's oldest independent ad agency, and uh, based in Troy, they've uh, been calling Michigan their home since 1929, and you can get more information at smz.com, smz.com, but we had the third-generation family, Jamie Michelson, president and CEO, Pam Renouche, uh, co-chairman and group account director, and... uh, also, Debbie Michelson, co-chairman and group account director of SMZ Advertising. I work probably more with Debbie than with any of the Michelsons, other than their dad, who just passed away not long ago, a peach of a man. That's for sure. Meanwhile, uh, we we enjoyed that very much. We enjoyed some of our weekend uh, activities, including at Eastern Market, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Here's a little note. Oh, the oh, the oh by the way, the latest... Uh, I don't know, Rieger, you follow this stuff way more than I do, but uh, do you have any, any bones to pick with the latest AP college football poll? No, not really. You top know, five teams, still, yeah. number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, Ohio State, number four, Florida State, number five, Washington. And this marks the first time Washington has reached the top five in six years.
1: Washington, uh, I don't know if you saw that game against Oregon. Uh, that was quite the game. Washington's a good team. Um Michigan's uh, Ohio State's playing Penn State this weekend, so uh, one of those teams is going to get uh, their first loss. Uh, Michigan has to face both of them coming up. Um, Georgia's still number one because they're the defending national champs, so I don't have an issue. Uh, and Michigan, uh, Michigan rolled uh, on Saturday, so and they I are have...
0: facing uh, MSU. So you throw yeah. in all the records. Yeah. and it's at m s u so we mm-hmm. uh, we wish them both well um who's going to win ohio state or penn state
1: that is a great question um i i kind of think penn state but um you know oh man that's that's going to be that's a, uh, i don't okay i'll put it to you this way ohio <laughs> state i don't trust their quarterback penn state i don't trust their coach so take that <laughs> take so take that for what you wish you know oh, what you
0: will He calls it like he sees it. And uh, and, and Sunday was some, you know, along with our Lions winning, there were some great games. Oh, you know,
1: NFL was uh, crazy yesterday with uh, the 49ers going down uh, to their first loss uh, with Michigan's former kicker, uh, who missed the last second field goal, uh, the rookie. And uh, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they also lost uh, a close game to the New York Jets of all teams. So um, NFL man, any given Sunday, you never know. And the yep. Lions, uh, they just keep rolling. And uh, God bless them. They got a uh, they'll have a they'll have a, a tough contest on Sundays. They go into Baltimore uh, to face off against the Ravens.
0: All right. Well, we're always pulling for them, and they can do it. They know they can do it. It's now starting to get to a point where they can fully believe in themselves. That they can do it, they okay. seem to you have know,
1: that. And the and the fans. This, this is another big story. You know, you think the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey story is so big. Uh, the Lions fans traveling to uh, opposing stadiums uh, is oh. becoming quite the story.
0: Uh, in my in Miami, was it Miami? Yeah, they were, they, no, they it, were in it, Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay. It was. Yeah. It was as if we were at home. The sound of the crowd. I'm telling you, they're, they 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 are traveling. So yeah, um, good good for good for know, the yeah. Good for the support team out there. Uh, Quick note, I had people asking me when we came back from our great trip to uh, Paris and Bordeaux region uh, about the next trip. The next trip is the uh, Paul W. and Kim's Caribbean Winter Escape, February 7th. We'll meet in sunny Florida, then two nights on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, then seven nights. Pure luxury on the region, seven seas. Five-star luxury, St. Bart, St. Thomas, Antigua. And a Valentine's Day champagne toast. A lot of fun for that. You can go to WJRTravelClub.com. There's still space available. Uh, WJRTravelClub.com. And then the biggie, uh, the big plan for next uh, year in August, the 17th through the 31st, it'll be Canada and New England with Paul W. and Kim. It's close to home. You don't have to travel far to get there. And it's safe, a safe part of the world, thank God. Uh, and Seabourn is an unbelievable cruise line. We, Kim and I did our honeymoon on Seabourn and fell in love and have loved it. It's at the top of our list of some very great uh, cruise lines out there. We'll do Old World Montreal, Quebec City, cruising in and out of the scenic maritimes to Charlottetown and Halifax and exploring the Freedom Trail in Boston, go to Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, this is this uh, Seabourn consistently ranked at the very top of every luxury cruiser. That's on our what, top of what type our list.
1: Of, what time of the year are you doing that?
0: August 17th through the 31st.
1: That sounds like a, that sounds like it could be kind of cool.
0: Well, this is, a, this is a great trip on a great ship. Seabourn will fulfill and exceed everyone's travel dreams. Only 229 guests on board this. This is not a river boat. It's a, a cruise ship, but a very nicely sized one, the Seabourn Quest. I've it's never gonna, been
1: on a cruise before. I'm not sure if oh, I would I'm
0: not sure if I would like it. I, no. I, I some part of me thinks that I would
1: be bored,
0: but uh mm. but I'm not sure. You might be bored on a river cruise. Yeah. But you would not be bored on a regular cruise like this. Okay. And everything is included, world-class dining, no reservations. I love that. You can just show up to eat. In a variety of dining, do you have
1: to dress up when you go to eat? No,
0: no. I mean, there are a couple of nights that are more dressed. I didn't take a tie with me at all. I don't think I'll ever take a tie again. All right, complimentary premium wines and spirits—you got to like that. Oh yeah, complimentary unlimited Wi-Fi, all your gratuities included, much more, and uh, and we're going to stay at the Fairmont Queen Elizabeth in Montreal, which I don't know anything about, but Kim got all excited about that. And I'm excited about seeing Boston through her eyes because she used to work and live in Boston. Oh, really? So oh. we are going to be. Uh, Boston's you know, cool. I have fam- I the have Freedom family Trail in and all that. Yeah. So anyway, that again, you just go to uh, wjrtravelclub.com or I don't know if you Google Paul W. Smith Cruise and Tour. I don't know how it'll. You can get there uh, either through wjr.com or the wjrtravelclub.com. People asked, and there it is. I wanted to give you the information. Meanwhile. Um, This is interesting. Have you ever heard that people say, and people like in the know say, make your bed in the morning because then you've started the day with an accomplishment? Have you ever heard that? Oh, he's on the phone now. Brian, have you ever heard that? I have not. Yeah, they they say make your bed first thing in the morning, and you've now started the day with an accomplishment. Now, uh, they're saying that... Every day, commit to writing down your small wins, even if it's just one. Taking note of what you've accomplished can boost your confidence and increase motivation. Studies show we tend to hang on to bad experiences longer than the good ones, but writing down something positive, especially by hand, helps us remember it. You can write it in a journal. You can do it on your phone or in a text conversation with a friend. It all works. Start making note of even your smallest win. Write it down and look at the positive impact it will have on your life. Just a little helpful factoid as we continue in focus on WJR. Once again, what is happening in the Middle East is just tragic, and it continues. And it's not going to end up uh, well, all things considered, except for uh, if we eliminate uh, the terrorist organization Hamas. And anyone who says, well, they're not a terrorist organization, isn't really paying attention. You don't go into a house, see children, and then shoot them, and then decapitate them, and then burn their bodies of uh, old women, men, children, everybody. That's just not the way it works, unless uh, you realize this is terrorist activity. And whenever something like this happens, we think of our friends and families in that area, Palestinians, uh, Israelis, uh, we've got them all. And... uh, there's a person that used to work on my morning show as an intern many, many years ago, and I, I'm hearing from her now in Israel, Dr. Galit Ben-Zur. You might remember Galit from our conversations and updates on Israel over the years, but now this has taken on, obviously, new meaning. She is near Tel Aviv right now and just has come out of her bomb shelter because, as I understand it, you were just under attack just minutes ago, Galit.
5: Yes. Hi, Paul. Yes. I just came back home, um, from the safe room. We just had a rocket attack and, uh, <laughs> shivering. You know, it's, uh, you, you mentioned the Hamas as a terrorist group or a terrorist organization. We are not facing a terrorist group. We are facing a new form of Nazism, ISIS. I mean, the whole world. Needs to know this is our Holocaust. This is our 9-11. This is our second Yom Kippur War. It's a genocide. And, 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 and you, you, you talked about, you know, those are animals, monsters that murder, that slaughter, that rape, that burn babies and children and elderly and entire family alive and, and, and kidnap soldiers and kidnap babies. And and, and this is horrible. This is horrible, Paul. We've never had this before. It's so devastating and so tragic. One cannot even imagine.
0: I I know it's not the time, but I have to tell you, one of the first things I was, first of all, I was stunned that it appeared that Israel was so unprepared for something like this. It, It seemed like they were this is not israel i mean israel has intelligence that lets them know what's going on they have people infiltrating uh, various groups and organizations to be caught completely by surprise off guard here indicates a certain level of planning that uh, that they've never had there before
5: paul you're absolutely right serious questions are asked and needs to be answered and i'm sure we're going to have the time for that but at this point we need to stand together, and we have the right to defend ourselves because we don't have any other alternative. But you are absolutely right. We just commemorated the uh, uh, 50 years for Yom Kippur War, which we also were caught in surprise. And it was exactly same day, holiday, Saturday morning. You know, we were woken up uh, uh, by the sirens of the warning missiles attack. This is exactly the same thing. But you're right. There is a huge failure of the intelligence of the government. But you know what? This is not the right time. No, I understand. Okay? They caught us unprepared, absolutely. But we have to be united at this point.
0: And, and Israel. There's no other
5: alternative.
0: I, as I've learned from being in Israel maybe three times, you are really all together. Mostly when there's some kind of an attack. I mean, this brings everybody together. Like, like any other country, uh, people have disagreements about things and all of that, but the one unifying factor is when you're under attack. Everybody understands this is the time to be unified and to stand together, and, and you do that for sure. Um, I, I what I don't, what is hard for me is, if, if for example, in a kibbutz, are they not as, um, active or is involved with carrying a gun every time i've been to israel israelis of of even the age mostly of the age of those kids that were slaughtered at the concert had their rifle with them all the time and it doesn't appear go ahead
5: i'm sorry go ahead
0: i was just saying Um, it it didn't appear as if they they were as prepared as i've seen them in the past people it didn't look like they had any guns No,
5: nothing. This was this was a music festival, you know. Beautiful people celebrating. Nobody, nobody thought about it. There were, you know, there are bases near the kibbutzim, near those places, near the Gaza border. If they caught us by surprise, the cameras were shut down. Everything was shut down. I mean, look, there is, there is a. I'm saying that answers, serious questions will, we are, 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 uh, are posed now, and I'm sure there's going to be answers, but this is not the right time. But nobody, they knew, the Hamas knew about this huge festival. 3,000 youngsters were there, and they just slaughtered them. Yeah. And I want to talk about something you you mentioned, solidarity. Can, do you think about any other place in the world where people, young people, coming, taking planes and coming to Israel to fight from different places. You know, they, they were having their uh, trips after the, the army, and they all took the plane, no hesitation, and coming to Israel in order to join, you know, the effort to join the military, collecting food. This is, this is something that you don't see that.
0: Mm-mm. You don't. You <laughs> do not don't. see it. No. It's, it's like no other country, obviously, and and you guys have gone through an awful lot. Um, there's there's time for the arguments about the treatment, and uh, uh, they get into the apartheid. They get in. There's all kinds of arguments, but it doesn't matter where you stand, uh, pro Palestinian, pro Israeli, or both. There's no room for the kind of tactics that Hamas has done. Those are just flat out war crimes. Uh, and terroristic activity, and how anyone can support that is beyond my ability to comprehend. I want to know. Uh, we're talking live with uh, Dr. Galit ben She was a, an intern on my the morning show years ago. Uh, now living there, she's just uh, near Tel Aviv right now. She just came in from a uh, of, of going into a safe area because a rocket attack just happened. Where were you Saturday when this first broke?
5: sleeping, 6.30 in the morning, Um, the siren, you know, we were woken up to the sound of the siren, and we just went into, we didn't even know what was going on. Then, you know, then we turned on the TV and we found out that uh, the Hamas terrorists, those monsters, infiltrated Israel from from the Gaza Strip, and then it all started. It's like a nightmare. It's like every time that I think about it, I wanna wake up again and say, you know, this is this is not happening. I mean, I've never seen Israel in this in this this way. It's it's heartbreaking. Every time I mean every hour we have more and more soldiers and names of citizens who were brutally murdered. Who knows what is happening with those who were kidnapped? You see all these Uh, 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 videos circulated on social media, elderly. Just, it's horrible. It's just horrible. I mean, these are monsters. Those are animals. I, I can't even describe. One cannot even imagine. You know, now we have all these videos circulated. This is horrible. This is horrible. And they were crying with joy and killing and this is, this is horrible. This is horrible. But you know what? The Hamas doesn't care about the Palestinian people. They are using them as human shields. They are the ones who control Gaza. And this is the sad thing about it.
0: It is indeed. Sorry. I'm so sorry that you and everyone in that part of the world is going through the hell that has been created and caused by Hamas, very specifically uh, at this time. And I always hope and pray the same hope and prayer, having relatives that came from Zakhali in uh, Lebanon, um, mm-hmm. and and hoping and wishing that one day I'll wake up and see that somehow or another everyone decided that the world, their world and our world, would be so much better if they could figure out a way to get along.
5: I, I wish, you know, now we, uh, we don't know what's going to happen in Lebanon with Hezbollah. There are a lot of armies there as well from the north, you know. Um, we don't know. But what the thing that I want to – I'm very happy that the U.S. is standing behind us. We had President Biden and we had uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken coming, expressing support and empathy. But really, uh, it's good to know. It's good to know that we have our best allies stand, standing behind us.
0: I can't imagine that we will be waiting much longer for the uh, the answer to last Saturday's terrorist uh, activity. The answer from Israel has got to be coming soon. It will be brutal, without question. But they're left without any other choice than trying to completely eliminate Hamas. The problem is you can eliminate the people who are Hamas now, but there are still going to be people where that philosophy will still exist, and there'll just be other people filling those shoes. But in the meantime, they have to do away with Hamas, and I understand that. I wish you well, Galit. You're in my thoughts and prayers. Thank we you, may, Thank you we, Paul. I Paul. We We will it. check back with you, and, uh, and we will look forward to that. But please be safe in, in the best way that you possibly can be.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Nice talking to you.
0: Nice talking with you. I'm so sorry it's under these conditions. Dr. Galit Ben-Zur there just uh, near Tel Aviv, live here on the Paul W. Smith Focus Show at W. All righty. Marie is back. We said she would be. And uh, there's the story. Somebody has uh, finally uh, put pen to paper and taken a, well, maybe they didn't use pens and papers. Maybe they just used their computers. But anyway, uh, they finally figured out the difference between going into work and working. Or staying home and working. And they found some pretty interesting information, Marie.
4: And some of this is stuff that we've talked about in the past. Many of us commented during the pandemic that working from home cost us less than going into the office. But how much? A study done by OWL Lab found that 66% of employees who return to the office to work five days a week or full time spent on average $51 every work day. The survey concluded that there's no questions, uh, no question that this is more money than before the pandemic. So here's how the breakdown went for that $51. $14 for the commute, $8 for parking, for breakfast or coffee and $16 for lunch. There are other benefits from working from home as well. The report found that nearly half of the workers say it's easier to maintain a work-life balance. Owl Labs also found that about 46% of employees find it easier to build colleague relationships when they work from home. And how many people work from home these days? Well, in uh August of last year, September of last year, they found that about 27% of U.S. workforce worked remotely at least part of the time, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And an MIT survey found that about half of Americans uh, worked remotely at least part-time. And the survey by Ford's finds that 16% of American companies operate remotely, Paul W.
0: Yeah, I uh, look, I... I liked working remotely. I still do like working remotely. We all had to do it. I mean, radio couldn't just sign off. We had to continue to work, but we couldn't come into the radio station. So we ended up setting up our studios at homes and uh, and and broadcasting. I still prefer it uh, at this point for a lot of reasons. Now, when it was early in the morning, I think you could figure it out. Sitting outside the uh, Fisher building waiting for a garage door to open at 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning was not my idea of having a good time. But uh, the fact of the matter is I do more work being set up for work at home than I did coming into the radio station, staying for a few hours and leaving. I'm always working with my desk and everything set up at home. I don't know if that was that yeah, way for you the no, not. Yeah, no, I
4: found the same thing. I found that I there was just a lot of time that I spent working while at home. I mean, in fact, my family commented on that, like, "Are you done yet? <laughs> Are you done?" And so there was there was a lot of that. And I think some of those habits have certainly uh, hung on. We we I have the opportunity now to work occasionally from home, which I like. So that's important. But what I found particularly interesting of all the stuff that I just mentioned here, the fifty one dollars was interesting. But I, the found, the, the survey that found employers find it easier to build colleague relationships when working from home that's and I funny. thought I wonder I mean if is that like you know our use of social media oh I have um, yeah that's a person I'm friends with them on Facebook how many times do people say that I'm friends with so-and-so on Facebook well that's not really friends because they're not in front of you mm. so I think that people more and more now are relying on that remoteness to build a friendship which i think is a little weird
0: it is a little different that's not exactly what i would have figured they would have found yes yeah i agree but they did find a lot of different things for example if you work in the office and you have pets it's costing you an additional 20 dollars a day on average so what, what does that mean
4: Well, because, you know, uh, unlike Paul back in when you and I were kids and mom and dad just let, you know, the dog stay home by himself or herself, nowadays dogs go to daycare. Oh my goodness. And that costs good, you know, that costs money. And then, like, and if not, you do the dog walking thing. And yes, that costs money too. The whole thing with the um, doggy daycare is very interesting. Almost everyone I know who has a dog. And if both partners are outside of the home, um, use doggy daycare.
0: When they go to work every day
4: yeah, a lot of people do. Sure.
0: Well, it is it is totally different. you're right than the way it used to be, but part of that was because we couldn't afford doggy day, daycare. so I mean <laughs> it's funny how you you change with the times and with your income level, I guess yep. uh, Be that as it may. I always have liked the idea of having two. Of whatever you have, two cats, two dogs, yeah. whatever. Because then they keep they keep each other company.
4: That's right. I am I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I'm now trying to talk my husband into that very thing. Uh, we only have one dog, but I do want, and I have one cat, but I'd like to get another cat. But I'm not not making too much headway on that. I you keep me, saying to him, "You that, want
0: me to call John? I yes, call could John. you do that? Yeah, I've yeah, got a lot of info. <laughs> Put some pressure
4: on that on him. <laughs> the cat needs some company." John, I keep telling him that. You really
0: that. want to make Marie happy, don't you, John?
4: Yes, there's always that.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. We want you to be happy always. <laughs> Thank you,
4: Marie. Thank you.
0: Marie Osborne, WTR Senior News Analyst. In the uh, interesting study, workers with in-person jobs spend about 51 bucks a day that they wouldn't be spending if they were working remotely. And I don't know about you, but 51 bucks a day or 71 with a pet a day adds up pretty quickly as we continue in focus on WJR. Looking forward to Chris being here on JR Afternoon in minutes right after the W J R News. Chris Renwick, JR afternoon. No better way to spend your afternoon. All right, we're checking with Brian Schmelz, Fox News contributor and WJR correspondent on all the the craziness that's happening in Washington, DC, mostly with the Republicans and without having a speaker of the house always a pleasure ryan welcome back absolutely paul how are you sir i am excellent thank you i am uh, i i kind of went i went away for a couple of weeks with our wjr listeners the wjr travel club i hoped i'd come back to a lot of things fixed i did not
6: yeah well uh we still don't have a speaker i don't know what that timeline looks like for you but yeah we've uh haven't had one for a number of days now in 12 days you know, we're looking at a- yeah, a situation where uh, we're gonna have a floor vote tomorrow, and we don't know if Jim Jordan has the votes. He has certainly gotten some good news today, uh, but you know, for every three holdouts, if just one person says they're a no vote, that might hurt more than than, than anything else because he really does have a slim majority. And when you have Carlos Jimenez, the congressman from uh, the Miami area, today coming out and saying he's still gonna only vote for Kevin McCarthy, that's a problem. <laughs> no.
0: And now you have you have now Nikki Haley, uh, former former governor, former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, um, starting to uh, pull out the the switch, you know, the whipping stick. (laughs) She's starting to tell them they've got to get their act together and get behind a new speaker. Yep. And and that and you see that from a lot of different
6: Republicans. Senate Republicans are saying that. Uh, governors are saying that. And, and of course, members of Congress are saying that, too. It's not lost on these members how bad it looks for them not to have a speaker and what they're limited in doing uh, when they don't have one. So, of course, there always is going to be that finger pointing. But of course. But, you know, these folks need to vote with who they want to vote for. And some of them just aren't confident in Jim Jordan.
0: Yeah, I was reading while traveling some pretty horrible uh, things being said about Jim Jordan. Some guy was saying he's the worst guy on earth to be able to take this job or whatever. How did this, what happened to the Republican Party? Any, Any answers on that? Well,
6: you know, I think a lot of this started with the fact that Speaker McCarthy was ousted by a small majority of the party voting with all Democrats for a motion to vacate. I think that ticked a lot of people off. And so you have some folks who might be McCarthy loyalists who are doing this in rebellion uh, of those members. And you also have members who feel that Jim Jordan is just too divisive and and should not be the person who has that job. There are a number of different reasons for how they're thinking, uh, and certainly that this is what you're hearing. But there are some, you know, talks about potentially giving Patrick McHenry, who's the speaker pro temp, some additional powers to kind of hold things over and give Republicans more time uh, to make a decision and find someone that they like. But, you know, of course, Jim Jordan could just win tomorrow. Then all that kind of gets put away.
0: What are your what are your thoughts on that? How likely is that?
6: Uh, It depends. I think I think we'll find out a little bit later tonight when Republicans meet behind closed doors. It doesn't seem like he has the votes as of right now. But of course, there were some big wins that happened today. So, you know, maybe the idea is for Jordan to get a roll call vote. Uh, put some of these folks on the record and, you know, there could be some re- repercussions that happen if, if in fact I have to do it publicly. So, you know, will they just fall in line and vote for him tomorrow? Or could there be a situation where enough of them vote present, that they still have more votes than the Democratic candidate does? It, it, it's really hard to know. But from what we do understand, and this is probably bad news for Jordan, we are expecting a third candidate to be put on the floor tomorrow uh, by re- moderate Republicans. So he's going to have a challenger likely.
0: All right. Well, uh, lawmakers can't approve additional aid for Israel. There are a lot of things that they can't do. We're learning without a speaker. Stop a government shutdown. (laughs) Yeah, 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 they can't stop. The the government is shut down so that it can't stop a government shutdown. Kind of, kind of (laughs) crazy when you think about it. All right, Ryan. Anything else we need to know?
6: Uh, we are expecting uh, some Senate members to be speaking out about about the six billion
0: dollars in unfrozen
6: uh, assets towards Iran that are going to be happening or that that they'll be speaking about tomorrow. So I, I keep that on your radar.
0: All right. We shall do so at your uh, uh, excellent uh, request. Ryan Schmelz, Fox News co- uh, contributor, WJR correspondent. Thank you, Ryan. Hey, have a good one, Paul. Thank you, sir. All right. You have a good one as well as we're getting ready to wrap up as you'll Stand by for news! And then, of course, it's J.R. Afternoon with the one and only Chris Renwick. And I I asked if I could speak to Chris in this handoff, because I haven't talked to you in a long time, What's Chris. up, Paulie? How are we doing? I'm doing well. Good to be back. You uh, have a nice, nice trip? Yeah, we had a very nice trip Good. with our WJR listeners. And uh, it's always fun to travel with like-minded people, people that are WJR family members. And, uh, and we all have stuff in common, and uh, everyone just gets along. And I think a lot of people... Uh, actually have created lifelong friendships from these trips. And so That's cool. that was all good. And I think we got the heck out of Dodge just in time because a lot of our listeners went to on a tour of the Louvre, which was very crowded and very hot, but it was also uh, they just had to uh, clear it out. They evacuated the Louvre just a day or two ago uh, because of some concern with what's happening now in Israel yeah. and uh, terrorist activity. So we got in and out. Safe and sound, I, I believe. What are you going to be doing today? Well, we got a lot to do. Obviously, we're going to talk about the Lions. I, I have a
1: question for people, and it's very simple. Are you willing to accept that this team is a Super Bowl contender, or do you still feel the need to protect yourself, to keep that
0: guard? Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, Paulie, I'm all in, baby. Let's do this thing. I'm all in, too. But I've been all in a number of times, so really? I've, I've never protected myself. Uh, And a lot of Lions fans, you know, we start over every year believing in our Lions. Only this time, it really is paying off. Yep. Yep. Stand by for news in the one and only. JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick. Going out and making a great rest of the day. On your way to making each and every day count because, well, we learned it. Each day is a gift and you have no idea how much QTR, quality time remaining you have. Regards, Paul W. Smith.